0: Praise God, praise God. Amen. I'd like to welcome everyone this morning, and especially if you're a guest today. We are so glad to have you in service with us. Thank you for being here today. If you're watching us online, wherever you may be watching from, pray that you're blessed by this service as well. Matthew chapter 9. Again, reading with verse number ten, Matthew nine and verse number ten. And it came to pass as Jesus sat at meat in the house. Behold, many publicans those that's not Republicans that's they're, that's basically the IRS. Many publicans and sinners, notice they're they're classified with the sinners. They came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees, somebody say the Pharisees. When the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? When Jesus heard he said unto them They that be whole need not a physician but they that are sick But go ye and learn what meaneth what that meaneth I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. New Living Translation says it this way. When Jesus heard this, he said, Healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then he added, Now go and learn the meaning of this scripture, for I want you to sow mercy, not offer sacrifices, for I have come, and notice the New Living Translation makes this a little clearer. I've come not to call those who think who think they are righteous but those who know they are sinners because the Bible tells us in another place there are none righteous the Message Bible says verse 13 this way Go figure out what this scripture means. I'm not after mercy, not religion. I'm here to invite outsiders, not coddle insiders. I'm here to invite outsiders, not coddle insiders. My title this morning is a question. That question is, where's God? Where's God? Father, thank you for your presence that is in this place today. Thank you for how you have already responded to our worship and ministered and touched hearts and lives in this place today. But I believe, God, you are not done with what you desire to do in this service. I believe that you desire to speak to somebody's life today, to touch somebody's heart for somebody to leave this place transformed by the power and the work of the Holy Ghost. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Father, I trust you today. I depend on you for your anointing, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. When The Pharisees saw it. For those of you, perhaps, maybe that Aren't familiar with what a Pharisee is, let me just give you a real quick explanation. The Pharisees were the extremely religious people of the day. They were they were very, very, very religious. They prided themselves on their religion. They weren't just dedicated and committed to keeping God's Word. They were proud about the way in which they kept God's Word. And they wanted everyone to know how well they kept God's Word. And so when they see Jesus who professes to be the Messiah, when they see Him hanging out with the publicans and the sinners they are they are their 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 religiosity is is stirred if he's so religious if he's who he says he is why is he hanging out with these people those people be careful when somebody's talking to you about those people usually when somebody's talking about those people there is an element of Phariseeism in it. <laughs> You're looking down your nose a little bit at those people. And so their question to Jesus' disciples was, why is your master hanging out with publicans and sinners? The publicans again in the context of today, they were they were the tax collectors, but they the, the difference was you know, at least the IRS is collecting money for our government these these individuals were collecting money for the occupying government it wasn't just for their people and and in addition to collecting money to turn in to the romans they were also known to be getting a little bit extra and pocketing them for themselves so that's why it lumps them in to the sinners they uh, i don't think it's fair to lump somebody in that works for the irs automatically into sinners. But, but that's the crowd that Jesus was hanging with and, and their question is, why? Why is he hanging with them? And, and I, I, I like the way the King James says it because the way the King James says it, it leaves room for them as the Pharisees to, you know, kind of take some credit in what he's saying sort of push out their chest a little bit with some pride because he he said, I I, I haven't come. I haven't come for the righteous. I'm not here doing what I'm doing for the righteous. I, I think it was easy for them to respond to that and go, oh, okay. So we're good. Because we are righteous. Yes, you are righteous, but make sure you add a key word to your righteousness. You are self-righteous. And the Bible says that the very best righteousness you and I might be able to come up with, the very best we can do, the Scripture says it is filthy rags. You know what, it don't matter. It doesn't matter if you've got an eight hundred and something pair of tods on your foot this morning, or if you got your shoes at Goodwill for ten bucks. The bottom line is all shoes are on dirt. No, I didn't say they walk on dirt. I said they're on dirt. It doesn't matter if you've got a $1,500 suit on today or if you got your suit at Goodwill for $15, it's all covering up dirt. I don't care how much money you got, I don't care how much popularity and fame you had, you were created from dirt. I don't care if you don't have a lot of money, you were created from dirt and you're going to end up as dirt. <laughs> but somehow, like the Pharisees, there are some that think, "Well, I'm righteous, I don't need. Well, you know, there, there, there's a tru- there's a struggle that oftentimes people have today, and, and, and that is, well, you know, so-and-so is a good person. I don't understand how they could, you know, I don't know how they could go to hell. They're a good person. You just don't know your Bible. Because Jesus took care of that. He said, "There's, there's none. None good. None good. We are all sinners in need of a Savior. And the Pharisees are looking down their noses at not only the company that Jesus was keeping, but... In fact, they're they're looking down their noses at Jesus. Amen. Why? Why is he hanging with this group of people? James said Fawcett and Brown says this sacrifice, which is the chief part of the ceremonial law, is here put for a religion of literal adherence to mere rules while mercy expresses such compassion for the fallen as seeks to lift them up. See, if you're not careful, you can get caught up in religious activity, and that can become a badge of honor that you wear because you are a religious person. Jesus said, my desire is not just to see your religious activities done. My desire is to show mercy. My desire is to extend mercy. In the listing, I believe this is in the book of Matthew, in the listing of the disciples, as Matthew is listing the disciples, he adds under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, Matthew, the publican. No other other places where the disciples are listed does it do that, but Matthew, of his own accord, says, I'm Matthew, the publican. Matthew was very grateful that Jesus was willing to hang out with the publicans and the sinners. Matthew was very grateful that Jesus did not look down his nose at the publicans and the sinners. And not only did he hang out with them, but he passes by Matthew, a publican, and says, hey, come follow me. I've got something else for you. I've got something greater than the life you are living. And so I don't know, maybe when Matthew heard the Pharisees say this, there was, there was a little something extra that rose up inside of him because he understood if he was not willing to hang out with the publicans and with the sinners, I would have no hope because that's what I was. But I'm so glad he looked beyond my external conditions and my weaknesses and my failures. And he saw my heart. There is, this, there is this terminology that's pretty commonly used a lot. It's commonly used nowadays. And, and and that is you'll hear people say, well, I'm just, not a, I'm just not for organized religion. No offense, that's one of the biggest cop-outs I've ever heard. It's just a really fancy way of saying, you know what? I'm not willing to submit and surrender my life. I would, I will readily acknowledge that there are times that religion has failed us and religion has abused its power. And it's, I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that at all. But the solution to the problem is not to disassociate yourself. From what is, and I'm not saying religion is the answer, but Jesus is the answer, and Jesus operates through a body. Nobody's going to heaven by themselves because detached from the body of Christ, there is no life. My finger, my pinky is alive and well right now. But sever it from my body and see how long it lives. It doesn't live. It's got to be attached. And I don't believe that this church right here is the body of Christ. But I am here because I believe we are a part of the body of Christ. So the issue is not to get rid of association with 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 Christianity with the church. I, I, we've been my wife and I've been going on 27 and a half years of marriage and, and you know what I understand we we've, we've had some difficult times. We've had some we've had some days that were not very easy. We've had some seasons we've gone through where our relationship was not what it needed to be, but I understood the solution was not divorce. The answer wasn't, I needed another wife. The answer was, we needed to work on our relationship. But they were so caught up in the wrong things that they missed what was really important and significant. You see, the problem is, some people can become very content in just the religious activity. Let's be honest. You all have, you all have. This is a free country. You have the right to be someplace else right now. It is a Sunday morning. Uh, there's probably people in this place that you have worked six days this week. Nobody's forced you to be here. Nobody's, nobody can make you be here. You've chosen to be here, and if we're not careful, that can become. Well, I went to church. I did my duty. I fulfilled my responsibility. But Jesus is not hanging out with the ones that are simply trying to just check off a box. And I, I, I hear it more and more. It almost, it's, it's almost done to me. It's almost done in a bragging way where I, I've heard pastors tell me how, how you know, well, we, we, we start service at this time and we're done by this time. I, I, not too long ago, I, we, we start at 10, we're, well, we're done by 11.30. And we don't do anything else the rest of the day. Like Wow. I guess in some ways that's pretty nice. Check. Check the box. Did it. I got a feeling if every time I kissed my wife, she felt like it was just a check of the box it probably would start to cease. If every time I told her I loved her, it was simply came across as an obligation, I got a feeling we'd reach the point where she'd say, you know what, shut up. The Pharisees knew how to do it. And they were so caught up in their religion, they missed the fact that there were people that were in need. They were so good at what they did, they forgot the fact that Jesus had come to seek and save the lost. I, 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 I've already mentioned it. We, Saturday, New York, or Friday, we went to New York. And I have, a, I have, a, I have this sort of love-hate relationship with New York City because it, it's a neat place. It's a unique place. I've been all over the world. I've been to all kinds of metro cities. They're just To me, there's no other place like New York City. In a lot of different ways, but I just can't. It, it, it it's kind of frustrating. I'm hoping it's a good quality, but I cannot help be there and not just be continually disturbed by the masses of humanity. I don't. I don't. I'm not trying to sound you know sanctimonious or holier than that. Whatever. I'm just it 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 almost, it almost irritates me. Like, I'm just here to enjoy the city and have a good time, but I, 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 we, we went up Friday, I don't know, is, is Rockefeller Center midtown, uptown? I know it's not lower Manhattan, but is it mid or upper? Mid? Top of the rock, the top of Rockefeller Center, and there's the very top, there's three different levels where you can go out and and the one side, you look down towards lower Manhattan. And I mean, there is not, there is not an empty spot of land. <laughs> and some of those, obviously, are, are offices and, and workplaces. But obviously, a lot of those are also dwelling places. And the, and the masses of people. Many of which probably are trying to just find something, as I've already said, to make them happy and not realizing my lack of access to certain things is not what determines whether or not I can be happy and whole. Because the only thing that can truly make us happy is the one thing we all have access to. Oh, hallelujah. The one thing that we really need is the one thing that is available to everybody. There is no limitation based on how much money you make. There is no limitation based on your level of education. It's not about the color of your skin. It's not about where you were born. But the one thing we all need is the one thing that he says, if you want it, you can come and get it. Everybody come. If you don't have any money, he says, come and buy. I will give it to you freely. Oh, God, help us. I'm not here to preach to the church today, but God, help us as the church to never become like the Pharisees, that we do everything so well that we forget the fact that the place Jesus really wants to be and the thing that Jesus is moved by is not hanging out with the religious people, but it's those that know they need Him. Jesus, in the last... In the final days of his life, he prays a prayer and he says, "He says, Lord, I'm not praying that you will take them out of the world. I don't want you to remove them from the world, but I pray that you would keep them in the world. The way that we prevent the world from rubbing off on us is not by isolation." It's not by finding some place to build a compound and we all go live within those walls and separate ourselves from this ungodly world. That's not the way we do it. He is able to keep us in the world. He is able to let us be in the midst of all of this chaos and confusion and yet preserve us and protect us because somebody that's in the chaos and confusion needs to know there is hope in the midst of the chaos and the confusion. I think part of the context of the, of the Pharisees' question was really probably some jealousy. Why is he hanging out with them? He ought to be hanging out with us. If he's going to spend some time, if he's going to spend time with someone, we're the ones that deserve him to spend time with. With us, and that's not where he was. Psalms 34 and 17 gives us a glimpse of where God is. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. Notice. The context of what this verse says is that the righteous have troubles. Hello, somebody. The righteous are not exempt from troubles. The righteous are not given a free ticket to not have problems. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. The Lord... Here's where God is. He is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Oh, hallelujah. Many, many... Many are the afflictions of the right. I know if this is a put on Instagram, I'm not going to get a bunch of likes for this. But many are the afflictions of the righteous. The importance of that is some of you determine your righteousness by the afflictions. And you think you've got so many afflictions, there's no way you can be righteous. When in fact, you might want to step back and look at it differently. The afflictions may very well be the indication that you are righteous. Because many are the afflictions of the righteous. But, but, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. That means you got to go through them. That means you're going to be in them. That means there's going to be trouble and difficulty. But if you are righteous with His righteousness, He is going to deliver you out of all of it. He keepeth all His bones. Not one of them is broken. That means what you go through is not intended to destroy you. What, you, what God allows you to go through in your life is not an, intended to break you and make you nothing. It's actually intended to make you. When you get done th- going through it, the promise is you're, you're going to be whole. You're going to be alright. You're not going to... You're not gonna look like what you've been through. There's a whole bunch of folks here today. You don't look like what you've been through. Hello. You don't, you don't look like where you were. You don't look like what you've come through. You, you look too good for what you've been through. You smell too nice for where you've been. You were hanging out in some stinky stuff. But because of the blood of Jesus Christ that washed you and made you clean, you don't look like that anymore. A contrite spirit. The word contrite is not necessarily the most commonly used words and word in our in our vocabulary, but the, the, the basic definition of that word contrite means crushed. It's crushed. I I wonder if we got any crushed folks here today. I wonder if you got any folks today feel like you've been crushed by some circumstances and situations. He says those that are of a contrite spirit, a crushed spirit, the spirit speaks of, 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 if I could put it this way, the energy that gives you life and, and what drives you and motivates you. Some of you have been on the verge of feeling like what's the point of continuing? You've got a crushed Spirit, but you need to look around you. Instead of wondering where God is, you need to realize God is right there beside you because He says, I am near those that have a crushed spirit. The phrase, them that are of a broken heart, occurs often in the Bible It refers to a condition when a burden seems to be on the heart and when the heart seems to be crushed by sin or sorrow. And it is designed to describe a consciousness of deep guilt or the heaviest kind of affliction and trouble. It's a common question that people ask when they face adversity and difficulty and tragedy and pain in their life. Where? Is God? Where is God? Because the implication is, if I am dealing with problems and difficulties, God must have abandoned me. But not only the places I've already read to you, but all throughout this book, I can show you the places where people were in the midst of adversity and in the midst of heartache and pain, and God was right there with them. He had not abandoned them. He had not forsaken them. He had not neglected them. But He was right there with them because He said, I am with those that have a broken heart. I am with those that are of a contrite spirit. Oh, hallelujah. Isaiah 57 verse 15 For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity Whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy places. Man, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? Woo. God. God. I, heaven is His throne. Earth is His footstool. He fills all time. He fills all space. And yet, listen to what He says. Also. Also. I inhabit eternity. I'm the high and lofty one. But but also I am with those of a contrite and humble spirit. To revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. I I wonder if anybody could somebody could help me out a little bit right now for the sake of a of a guest this morning. Is there anybody that can relate to there was a time in which you you had a broken you had a contrite spirit you you didn't have much life left in you 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 didn't see much hope as to why there was even a reason to keep living and and it would have been fine with you if God. God would have just taken you out. But now, today you can say, I got some new life, I, I got a new reason for living. I, I found out that in the midst of my brokenness, that is exactly where God was. Some of us, some of us, but man, if, if we had a, a a spiritual GPS like we had for the natural. Plug in the address, and there's a couple different apps you can use to do it. But you plug in the address, and 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 it sets your sets the destination. You set the destination, and it starts directing you. and 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 every now and then, you'll get this notice that'll pop up on there. There's there's some traffic ahead that's going to cause a 20 minute slowdown, but you can take an alternate route and save. That time. Hit accept. <laughs> our problem is we 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 plugged in heaven. That's our destination, heaven. There are no there are no pop-ups on the directions that say heartache ahead. But you can take an alternate route. Tragedy ahead, but this route will save you heartache. Difficulty ahead, but this route will save you pain. Doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. Oh, we will choose when we get a glimpse of what's coming. We'll figure out a different route, we'll figure out another way scary thing is, wherever you go, it's always going to lead you back to the same point. Because he predetermined, you need to go through this. You need to experience this. You, you need this difficulty and your pain in your life. And part of the reason that you need it is because that is where I'm going to meet you. I'm not going to meet you on the alternate route where everything goes great and wonderful and fine. That's not where I'm going to be. Now, if you want to go that way, have at it, but you're on your own. If you want me to be with you, if you want me to be your shepherd, if you want me to be your helper, if you want me to be your strength, if you want me to uphold you with my right hand, you're going to have to walk through some difficult times, and you're going to have to go through some adversity, and you're going to have to suffer some pain. But what I want you to know is I am right there in the middle of it. You know what? I, by the grace of God, I got a lot of life left to, left to live, and so maybe one day I'll get to preach all the popular, fun messages. <sighs> I don't really expect that, but let me let me deceive myself for a little while longer. You're, I mean, is is this not? I'm sorry, no offense, and some of you know exactly what this is referencing, but you know this is not all about your best life now. It's not all about your best life now. Because the problem is what our definition of best is. It's not always what is best. Because best for us is money in the bank, healthy bodies, great marriages, wonderful kids that never misbehave, all kinds of good things. That's not always the best life. Sometimes the best life is when you can't even, you don't even think you can take one more step. And sometimes the best life is when you can't even, you don't even think you can make it one more day. And yet you make it one more day because what you may not even realize is it's not you that's making it another day, but there is someone that has come alongside of you because he said, I am in the middle of your brokenness. I am in the midst of you being crushed. Isaiah 66 and 1, Thus saith the Lord, I already referenced this, but here it is, The heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye build unto me, and where is the place of my rest? You know what, if, you, if heaven's where you're sitting, and you got your feet resting on the earth, you're pretty big. You're pretty powerful. You're pretty awesome. All those things hath my hand made. And those things have been, saith the Lord, but to this man will I look. Here's where my attention is going to be drawn. To him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. Listen to what that word poor means. Somebody can relate to this. That word poor means depressed in mind or Circumstances. Mm. So I know it's not the word you want to hear. I know it's not the most wonderful thing you've ever heard. Actually, it is the most wonderful thing. But from your perspective, it may not be the most wonderful thing. But I've come to tell somebody guest or member, God is right there with you, and you may be depressed in your mind, and you may be depressed in your circumstances, but He said, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. Isaiah 57 and 15, for thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabited. Eternity, and I already read that. But I'll read it again because it's in my notes again. Whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Listen to what the Message Bible says. Go ahead, cry for help to your collection of no gods. A good wind will blow them away. There's smoke. Nothing but smoke. But anyone who runs to me for help will inherit the land, will end up owning my holy mountain. Go ahead and run to your gods. Go ahead and create your own gods. Go ahead and try to build your own life for yourself pain-free, problem-free. But for those that will choose rather than doing that to come to me, I want you to know I've got some things in store for you. I'm not going to wave my magic wand to get you there, but if you will just trust me, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And eventually, if I will trust the steps to get me to where God has me to go, there will be no broken bones it will not be desolation and my life will not be destroyed because he's right there with me hebrews 4 verse 15 i'm going to read the king james but then i'm going to read another translation because the king james to me says it a little bit challenging way to sort of grasp initially but we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. Let us, because of this, let us come boldly. Thank you, Lord unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help when in the time of need message bible for we we don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality Oh, hallelujah. Some of you know Brother Libby pastors church in Gaithersburg. He's now the bishop of that church, started a church in Gaithersburg, came out of Antioch, now in Imsville. Ladies' conference was just there, sitting in his office several years ago. He said to, I think it was both my wife and I, Where's God? Where's God? Anybody anybody willing to admit you you've ever wondered that or even asked that anybody? The rest of y'all need to wake up. Where are you, God? Where are you? Where are you? Brother Libby said, "You don't want you want to know where God is?" He said, "Here's where God is." Because when you fill all space And you fill all time. Where else can you be? The problem is, what do we measure God's presence by? Feeling. Circumstances. Health. Because if we're facing any of those things, the response or the thought is, surely God is no longer here. Because if God was here, I would not be dealing with any of this. But God says, <laughs> "I know some of y'all may not participate in in the Christmas holiday." For those of us that exchange gifts and whatever, think think of the things if if you're if you do if you ask or if somebody asks you for what you want. I mean, what, what kind of stuff do you ask for? I want a bag of trash. <laughs> I want to a give me a box of rotten eggs. I, of course not. We got all this, this you know, we got all this, this good stuff. This good stuff. And, and so we, God says, well, what do you want for Christmas? Take my pain away. He says, well, I can do that, but I want you to know there's a problem. If I take all your pain away, I'm also going to take my presence away. Mm. God, I, I, I want you I want you to I want you to I want you to give me a new job with a boss that's nice and kind, not like the devil I've got. I want you to I says, "Well, I'll give it to you, but when I do, you're going to be all by yourself." But I have given you. Mm. Oh, Lord. Y'all don't act like you missed me the last two weeks. I don't understand. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you a gift. But what you need to understand is the. you may not like the gift. But with the gift comes my presence. You can have the gift you want without my presence. Or you can have the gift that I want to give you that you may not want, but in the giving of you, in the giving of what you may not want, I'm gonna give you something way more valuable than what you want. I'm going to give you my presence because if I can give you some adversity, if I can let you have a broken heart and a contrite spirit, that is going to draw me to where you are. So, to those of you that walked into this place asking today, where is God? Because of all that you're going through and dealing with and feeling right now, I've come to tell you this morning, He is right there with you. I've used this one before for those of you that... I hey, remember it please forgive me. I I haven't seen it happen this morning but you know it's it's not all that uncommon in an apostolic service at some point to see somebody that looks like they stuck a screwdriver into the outlet. I mean it, it, it's, it doesn't happen all the time but sometimes I I've watched I've watched bobby pins become weapons <laughs> as women begin shake. Holy Ghost shook them and bobby pins fly out. If you're anywhere nearby, you better be ducking because they're going to have to pull it out like a splinter. Man, boy, that's powerful. Sister Tashir said it. I can say this. I've been born and raised. If you're a guest this morning, my my parents started this church in 1970. And, and this is all I've ever known. I have never. I've, 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 I've actually asked. I'm like, God, I believe that's real. I've seen some folks. My dad, he doesn't do it as much anymore, but used to. Some, he had a little, just a little shake. Man, I want that. I've tried a couple of times. They help. I'm like, okay, God, I'll start it if you'll pick up on it. <laughs> Never happened. I, I believe it. I believe it's real. I believe it happens. My, but, but here's my point, man. That's why I said. Man. Woo, holy God. Holy Ghost. Maybe one of these times I'm going to do this fooling around and it's going to really hit yeah. me. That'd be fine with me. I've I, all my life. If you've never been in an apostolic service, you see that you're like, what in the world? We see that like, well, whatever. There goes another one. This years ago, this lady, boy, she would get both hands. Man, we walk. Boy, the power of God was in that place tonight. I don't know how many funerals I've been to. I don't know how many times I've been to a funeral home for a viewing. And all those times, not one single time have I ever gone into a funeral home for a viewing and seen the loved one of the person in the casket or the parent or the child of the person in the casket standing there beside the casket going, My God, I, I feel the Holy Ghost. I've never seen it never seen it. And we would often, if we're not careful, look at that and we would say, where's God? But I submit to you this morning that the power and presence of God is more real in that funeral home than it is in this sanctuary. I'm not saying it's not here, but when we're here, ooh yeah, whatever. Do we really need? I mean, we ought to be able to walk in here and go, "God's here." I don't need him to shake me; he's here. But in that moment where we need him the most, it seems as though we feel him the least. But that is just a testimony of how amazing and awesome His power and ability is. That He comes alongside of you in such a way that you don't even realize He's there. And if you're not careful, you miss. And like the poem, Footprints in the Sand, you come through your trial and you look back and you say, God, where were you? And he responds and says, What do you mean, where was I? I was carrying you. You didn't feel it. You didn't know it. You weren't shaken under my power. But I am with those of a broken heart and a contrite." Spirit. Oh, I know we we I won't I won't call anybody out cuz I don't really know who you may be, but there's probably a couple pharisees here this morning. Ah, we probably got a couple pharisees. We probably got a few pharisees this morning looked around, looked you looked across the auditorium, you said, "What do they think they're doing?" <laughs> I know what they did this week. I know what they said. They got no right to be come up in here acting all holy. I know. I saw them on Facebook. I know. You know what? God walked right by you. Because you didn't need him. And the very one you were sitting there looking down your nose at is the one he slipped up beside, put an arm around him. here. I'm right here. I'm right here because I feel what you're going through. I, I am a high priest who is not somewhere up in the heavenlies looking down at your miserable plight, but I am touched and I am moved by what you go through. And I have even allowed you to go through what you're going through so that I can have a reason to come alongside man I just I'm, I'm being honest I'm not I, I would I wish I wish I could just preach those messages that everything you'll walk out of here and your your your, your, your pumpkin is going to be turned into a beautiful carriage and and, and I wish I'm, I'm not I'm not trying to be negative I don't I don't want to I'm not a, I don't think I'm a negative person But I am coming more and more to the conclusion that I just might as well learn to expect adversity and challenges and problems in my life. Not because I am a pessimist. Not because I am doom and gloom but because God is going to order one thing after the other in my life, in which He's going to show up in that thing. Not only is He going to be there with me in that thing, but He's going to use that thing to continue the process that He's working on in my life. I've heard it. I've heard it many times throughout my life I've heard it now in the last year with some of the folks that have been a part of Celebrate Recovery God does one thing and heals something helps us with something we're like woo yes I'm good boy I got this now and then he lets that go on for a little while and he's like "All right." now we got that layer taken care of. Let's go to the next layer. What, what do you mean, layer? There's more? Yeah, there's more. But the problem is, too many times our response is, when God starts on the next layer, we start assuming He's never done anything. I thought He healed me. He must not have healed me. No, He's just taking you a little deeper. He's just trying to let you know in another dimension, in another way, I am with you. I don't mean, I'm not preaching. I don't mean that every day is going to be a night. I don't mean that. That's not, that's not. But somehow, if you could realize today that the trouble and difficulties and problems that you're dealing with is the vehicle God has designed to use to draw near to you. Because God is right there beside those who have a broken spirit and a contrite heart. Would you just, right where you're sitting for now, would you just bow your head and close your eyes? Again I'm I'm not, I'm, not, I, 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 I'm not preaching today that every day is misery and heartache and pain and, and, and gloom and death. that's not but I am impressed of the Spirit of the Lord to try to tell somebody today the circumstances that you're in and the situations you're dealing with that have caused you to wonder where God is are the very things that are drawing God the closest to you Father your presence, your spirit has been here all morning you've already touched hearts and lives already been ministering but I pray that right now there's somebody today that needs you Lord there's somebody that needs the reassurance that you are right there with them that their adversity that their problems and difficulties and tests and trials the challenges of their lives are not the evidence that you have abandoned them it's not the indicator that you have forsaken them, but in fact, it is, it's the very thing you've allowed to come into their lives so you could draw the nearest to them. Again, if you would just, nothing else, respect for those around you. Continue with your head bowed and your eyes closed. If you... If you know the spirit of the Lord is talking to you right now, if you know the spirit of the Lord is ministering to you this morning and and you just you want to receive what God's got for you, would you just lift a hand or lift both hands into the air right now and as you do that, I'm I'm going to ask for some folks to to actually look around and if there's somebody that's around them with with a hand up to come draw near because one of the ways in which God lets us know that He's right there with us is through the body that we are a part of. There's a couple of hands that have gone up. I think there's still some others that the Spirit of the Lord would just like to minister to this morning to let you know. I, I, see, I see your broken heart. I, I see your contrite, crushed spirit. I see the weight you're under. I see how you've been crushed by your circumstances. And I'm drawing near to you because that's where I am. That's who I'm attracted to. He's not impressed by those that try to give the impression, I've got it all under control. I'm good. He's not impressed by those that try to put on the front that says, i I've got it all under control. I'm all right on my own. I I've got this. That's not what he's looking for. What he's looking for are those that are willing to say I'm broken. I'm crushed. I'm under the weight of my circumstances and situations that I'm going through. I'm I'm under the load of the troubles and challenges of my life and I need to know I need to know that no you're really can with can me and I need to know that as you promised in your word you really won't forsake me I, won't I need to know that when I come through this there, there's no broken bones Lord I'm not going to be destroyed shepherd. by what I'm going through I, I'm not going to be crushed by this when I come through it I'm, I'm going to come through it like gold Defend in the name of Jesus. Come on, church. Would you be sensitive to the Holy Ghost? I know there's some that have initiated on their own reaching out, but I think there are still some others that God wants to touch here today. I'm filled with the noise. Allow the body to minister to the body. Come on. Would you be a conduit right now? Would you be the hands? Would you be the feet, would you be the mouth? No weapon can in the name, hold of Jesus. in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I own fear. And he You're with always me always guides me. You're going to see me through it, God.
1: Through the You're the shepherd
0: in that leads me through the valley. You don't abandon me in the valley of the shadow of death. You you don't abandon me in my adversity. You don't abandon me in my trial. You you don't abandon me in the difficulties of my life, but you lead me through it. I may not want to walk through it. I may not want to have to deal with it. I'd like to find an alternate route. I'd like to find a way around it, God, but if that's where you're going to be, if that's where I need to be so that I can encounter you in the way in which you desire, then lead me, Lord. Lead me. As long as I know, as long as I know you're with me, as long as I know you're with me, God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. He's calling somebody today. He's calling somebody today. It might not be the person the world would call, it might not be the person the world would pick, but it's the kind of person he chooses. In the name of Jesus, God, give somebody the assurance today of where you are. Give somebody the assurance today of where you are, God. You are right there with them. I may think it's my strength. I may think it's my ability that's keeping me going. I don't even realize, God, that it's you. Your grace is so effective. Your strength is, is so effective. Soul. I don't even know. I don't even recognize. It's Mercy not me that's doing goodness. this. It's you, God. It's you, God. It's you. And it gives it's me you. assurance. My steps are ordered. I see his love. Your hand is a you are sustaining me. You are keeping me. You're with me, God. And the I am not In the name alone. of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. No. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Because He's my comfort. Always holds me close. The number of folks that are still praying, the Lord is still ministering in this place. If you need to go or you want to go, you're welcome to do that. Thank you for being here. If you don't have to go, you don't need to go, why don't you just allow the Lord a few more moments. Let Him give you that reassurance. Where I am is with you. I feel what you feel. I'm going through what you're going through with you. I'm not detached. I'm not disconnected from you. I know exactly where you are and I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm with you. I've got you. doesn't mean it's going to be easy. doesn't mean it's all going to work out when I want it to work out the way I want it to work out. But I can trust and know. You've got this, God. You've got this. You've got it all under control. And you my are with me. Always holds me close. Where I am right now is not a surprise to you, God. Cause He always guides me. What I'm going through right now hasn't caught you off guard. Through mountains and valleys The circumstances of my life right now didn't surprise you, God. You knew it was coming, but you already have made a way even before I see it, before I can recognize it. You've already got it worked out. You see the end from the beginning. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. That I'll see his glory